This morning we're going to continue in this series of messages, Making Your Life Count. And over the last several weeks, as many of you know, we've been looking at Romans chapter 16. And in this chapter, Paul is expressing great affection to people that he loved very much. He names over 24 people who are exemplary to him in their work in the Lord. And also Paul in this chapter commends many more people beyond the names that he named as he greets households, small groups of which all of them were a part. I wonder what your idea of church is. You know, if you ask the average person on the street what their idea of church would be, very often you'd probably get a description, some like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a historic old building full of stained glass windows that's very cold and kind of very distant and irrelevant. When we read Romans chapter 16, we get an entirely different picture, really, of what church is all about. Church isn't about the physical building. It's more about the people that inhabit the building. Thank God for a great building. It keeps us warm in the winter. It keeps the rain off our heads. But church is about people. It's about a body of people that have come together as Jesus is the head of that body and the center, really, of their existence. Paul commends the church at, P uh, at Rome. He commends the people that he loved very much, friends that were very dear to his heart. And we've looked at all of those 24 names through the last several weeks in detail. So if you want to, if you weren't here over that time, you can hook up on the podcast and listen to the messages just to see what was so special and uniquely special about each and every individual that Paul lists in Romans chapter 16. Now, over this week and over next week, I want to give you five observations or five points that I've picked up on as I've studied Romans chapter 16, that I believe would have been at work amongst these believers as they lived their lives for Christ and worked and served in the church. Five points that were at the heart of their service as they sought to make their lives count together for Jesus. Today we'll probably just have time for two of the five points that I'm going to make, and then next week we'll finish up covering the remaining three. But the first observation that's really clear as you listen to Paul's commendations in Romans 16 to believers there in that city is that they were all active and not passive. You read the chapter, you read his greetings. You read his commendations, and it's impossible to miss this. These believers at Rome were all active. None of them were passive. All active in participating in building and strengthening 
the church of Jesus, using their lives in whatever way that they could. Some served in their community. Others used their homes to group together in to fellowship with one another. There were people that were laboring hard in their places of work, using it as an opportunity to serve the Lord and shine a light. All of them, with the exception of none, got stuck in wherever they were, in whatever way they could, to meet any and every need that would, ar- that would arise. These people were not passive. These people, in Romans chapter 16, were not apathetic about life, were not passive about building the church. They counted it as a privilege And they put all of their strength and all of their energy into it. They were an active body of believers. An active body of people that were passionate, that were participating, and that had a zeal for the house of God. At the heart of all of their actions, of course, was love. A love for Jesus. A love for one another and a love for the world in which they lived, that they were called to reach. Love was the motivation, the fuel, the drive behind everything that they did. Romans chapter 16, as we have seen, pictures many different lives, all from different backgrounds, with differing gifts and abilities, joined together in love as the body of Christ, working as one. Look around the room this morning. Isn't it wonderful to see what God has brought together in this family? All different nationalities, all different gifts and abilities, all at different places in life. What a wonderful family this is that God has brought together, and only He could bring it together. Love holds us together as it held them together. Now, in Romans 12, Paul gives us an amazing picture of our lives as being part of this wonderful body, the body of Christ. And maybe as Paul was given this great picture of the church being like a body with many different members, he thought about how all of his friends at Rome were fulfilling the very words that he spoke because all of them were actively a part of this body working together as one. Listen to Paul's description and how he talks about our lives being Christ's body and how Paul's picture aptly describes the friends that he loved and he commends in Romans chapter 16. Romans 12 From verse 4 through to verse 8, Paul says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. We have different gifts 
according to the grace given to each of us. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Paul here brilliantly uses the human body as an analogy to explain how we are all knit together as one. And through this very picture, he's showing us that we're not just a collection of separate individuals randomly doing our own thing. That would be chaotic. Just imagine if we were just a random group of individuals brought together into one room with a desire just to do our own thing. We'd never stay together. We'd never have any kind of coordinated purpose or plan. That wouldn't last two minutes, but Paul comes with this wonderful revelation. We're not just a collection of separate individuals randomly doing our own thing. We are joined together as one in Christ Jesus. And as we accept this, we discover our differing gifts according to the grace given to us. And it's through that grace that has been given to you, that's been given to me, that our lives can be a gift and a blessing to others. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is showing us that every single one of us, listen, listen to this carefully because it's important, every single one of us without exception have gifts that has been given to us by God's grace. You have a gift that has been given to you by God. Don't underestimate it. Don't be passive with it. Seek to act actively use it. It's there as a result of God's grace. According to God's grace, working in you and through you. And it's to be a blessing. A blessing within the church. A blessing into the world around you. Grace has been given to each and every one of us, Paul says, enabling us to be active and involved, not just a passive spectator, but active and involved as a member of this glorious body, the body of Christ. And it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to discover the, gra the, the grace gift that has been given to you that becomes a means of blessing possibly to the person sitting next to you or to the connect group that you're in, or to the workplace that you're a part of. The grace of God wants to have expression, expression through your life. And the wonderful thing is about the grace of God, you know when you've worked according to the grace that has been given you, because the outcome of your work far exceeds the effort that you've extended. It's amazing. When the grace of God operates through our lives, 
the outcome of what we do far exceeds the effort that we exert to achieve the outcome. When that's the case, you know and I know that the grace of God has been in operation. Now just imagine that happening on a mass scale through every member in this body. The effects of it are exponential. And that's what these believers at Rome were experiencing. The grace of God among them, working through them, discovering the gifts that God had graciously given to them that were uniquely different to all others, and yet worked so effectively together. I was reading recently about a man called Glenn Leatherwood. And you might never have heard the name Glenn Leatherwood, but Glenn Leatherwood was a person who decided to be active and not passive in his local church. He was a Sunday school teacher that turned up faithfully every week to serve. Because Glenn had decided to be the best that he could be with the gift that God had given him to the class, the Sunday school class that he served in. He believed that God had placed him there to help raise up these young people, these young individuals to be all that they could be in their lives. Glenn's heart's desire was to just use his gift with the grace that had been given to him. All of the class loved Glenn because they knew that he genuinely loved them. One Sunday morning, Glenn stopped the class and said, you boys know that I pray every Saturday night for every one of you. Today I have something special that I want to say to four boys in this class when our time is finished. At the end of class, Glenn called the four boys aside and told them that God had spoken to him whilst he was praying in the night. The Holy Spirit had told him that these four young lads before him would go into full-time ministry one day. And Glenn wanted to be the first person to pray over them and ordain them into the ministry. One of the young men that Glenn prayed for and ordained that day was a man called John Maxwell, who went on to be a pastor, writer, and leadership speaker for many, many years. Maxwell's life and ministry has been renowned throughout the world and has blessed millions of people. Maxwell says that the day that he was officially ordained into the ministry was when Glenn Leatherwood, his Sunday school teacher, laid his hands on him and prayed over him. Later in life, Maxwell went back to visit and encouraged Glenn Leatherwood. And he told him that all four boys had gone into ministry just as God had showed him. On that visit, 
John further asked Glenn how he had served, how long he had served in Sunday school after they had left. To which Glenn said, I served in Sunday school for 30 years in total. And I continued to pray every Saturday night for my class. And as a result, just like you four boys, another 33 went into serving the Lord in ministry all around the world. It's amazing what the grace of God can accomplish when we just decide to be active within our local church. Glenn Leatherwood was a man that nobody really knew. Turned up faithfully to serve in his small Sunday school class every week and worked according to the grace of God that had been given him and the results were amazing. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Glenn Leatherwood discovered a power working within him that did exceedingly abundantly above all that he could ask or think, in the service that he performed faithfully week after week, Sunday after Sunday, in the Sunday school within that church. Lives, young lives, went on to pastor, build, and pioneer churches all over the world. The results for that man in relation to the faithful service that he gave was exponential. Thank God, Glenn, Le Glenn Leatherwood decided to be active and not passive in his local church so that the grace of God could exceed all of his expectations. It's exciting. It's exciting when suddenly you realize the grace of God is stirring within you rising up for you to operate in the gift that God has given to you to serve, strengthen, encourage, and bless his body. Anything can happen, even through little old you and little old me. Anything can happen when we just step out, decide to be active within within the body. The second area I want us to look at today that can be seen among the believers that were in Rome that Paul was commending in Romans chapter 16 is that their differences brought diversity, not division. Their differences brought diversity, not division. All the people that Paul loved and spoke of in Romans chapter 16 were different in many ways. 
one to another. All of their differences, though they were many, didn't divide them. It just brought a wonderful diverseness of life that represented Jesus in his fullness. All of their, div all of their differences and their diversities didn't leave them divided or scattered. They just used their differences to unite them, make them stronger together, to be everything that Jesus had called them to be. It's interesting that when Paul wrote his letter to the church at Corinth, we see that he had to correct them because one of their big problems was that they were using their differences in a divisive way. Instead of understanding that their differences gave them great diversity and brought about unity in Christ, they saw their differences as a means of becoming divided. And Paul had to gently bring correction. And again, he brings up this picture of the body to correct them and help them and steer them back to the truth. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul comes now from a different angle to show them the importance of diversity and difference and how it works together as a whole. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 through to verse 18, as Paul tries to correct their perspective about their differences among them. Verse 14, he says this, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has pleased. Paul, Paul here is using a real strong logical argument to reason with them in bringing correction in their perspective about their differences. He's pointing out very obviously Toes are unlike ears, eyes are unlike elbows, knees are unlike hands, yet all of the differences among these many parts of the body are not a means of division to their unity, but necessary for it. Our differences are a means of unity in Christ. And diversity, it brings strength and it actually represents who Jesus is in his nature and in his call to whoever. Paul was calling everyone at Corinth to think about how their own bodies function. Because 
how their own bodies functioned paralleled how the body of Christ functions and how Paul presents it. It's like he's saying, look at your own body. The answer is there. There's no disorder in it. It has governance from the head. And each and every part moves effortlessly and in sync as a whole. And if that's the case with the human body, how much more is it with Christ's body, the church? When you decided to leave home this morning, aren't you glad that your body followed you? When you decided to get out of bed, or maybe we won't go there. Maybe you turned over and your body said, no, not yet. I'm having another five minutes. But Paul is, is bringing really strong argument to bring correction, to show them that their differences were, were a means of diversity, not, as, not a means of division. Every single part of the body is necessary. The message from Paul is crystal clear. Our differences bring diversity, not division. He says in verse 18, which is a wonderful statement for us to keep before us in our mind and in our thinking, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You are here because God has set you here in this body. Those who are a part of this family, I didn't choose you. Nobody else chose you. You are here because God has set you here as, an, as, a, as a part of his body, and you have an important part, an important role to play. You may be different. We're all different. I mean, look at us. Every single one of us. We're different by design. But the designer in creating us different one from another, knew exactly what he was doing when he brought us together collectively. And all of those differences coming together are a means of diversity, not a means of division. Just in closing today, I want to remind you again of how different and diverse the people were that Paul commended in Romans chapter 16. Some of them had high standing positions among the socially elite. We looked at that last week. They had aristocratic backgrounds. Very wealthy. Very influential within their world and within their lives. 
high standing social positions. But others had nothing more than slave status. There was the highly educated serving shoulder to shoulder alongside the illiterate. The wealthy fellowshiped with the poor. Those who had citizenship and influence served with those that had nothing. There were those who had ministry gifts, who traveled globally to strengthen the churches. And they were in relationship with those who weren't traveling anywhere other than to their place of work every day to faithfully undertake their tasks and their duties in their vocation. And it was through this wonderful mix of people with all of their differences that Jesus expressed his life through them working together and being as one. Their differences, whether they were social differences, educational differences, racial differences, their differences didn't divide them. Their differences just gave them the beautiful diversity as a family that they used to unite them to represent this wonderful, glorious body called the body of Christ, the church. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and we're just going to finish up in a few moments. When I was growing up, I would uh, regularly make jam tarts with my mum. I'm not a very good cook. I'm not. I tried to make cookies once on my own for the family. I wanted to make them a special present. But it didn't turn out very good. Some had broken teeth. True story. Some broke their teeth. Others spat them in the bin. Yeah. Cooking is not my forte. But under the guidance of my mum, I was all right. My mum would roll out the pastry on the counter. And then my job was to take the little pastry cutter. I could do that. And I'd press the cutter on the pastry. And we'd get 30, 30 or so pastry bases. My mama just fill it with a little bit of jam. And then we, we'd, um, we'd put it in the oven. I've still got one, Norma. I'll, I'll bring it in for you. You, you can have it. You can have it a cup of tea tomorrow. <laughs> in they'd go, cook them, bring them out, and every one of them would look the same. I'd be so proud of myself. I'd use the pastry cutter, and I'd cut them out 30 or so, and they would all be exactly the same. 
Now, that principle is great, isn't it? When you're, you're using a pastry cutter and cutting out pastry to make jam tarts, but that principle doesn't work when it comes to our lives. We're not the same. We're not meant to be the same. It would be absolutely awful if we were the same. If we had the same opinions, the same views, the same ways of thinking, it would, be, it, would have, it would be so sad. And we would lose so much. No, we're different. We're diverse. And that diversity and that difference doesn't lead to division. Actually, it promotes unity, strength, and enables us to be this great place, this great family of believers holding and housing the wisdom of God through Christ Jesus as the head within our lives. We're different. We're different by design. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And today, your heart may have been stirred when I spoke about being active and not passive in the church. You want to make your life count. You want to make it count. I'll tell you now, the best place that you can make your life count, the best place is in the church of God. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it. And that doesn't mean, hey, listen, you know, shutting down shop, leaving your job and all of your other responsibilities. But a primary function of your life to make it, li to make it count is to root down, bed down in the life of the local church. You'll make it count. And amongst all of the other responsibilities, if you make serving Jesus the priority above all, all priorities, I'll tell you something now. Everything else, right, everything else will flourish, will flourish in your life. You watch. Jesus said this, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Everything will follow. All other things you won't have to worry about. If you make his priority your primary goal in seeking first his kingdom, all other things will follow and you will be amazed at how his grace operates in your life. You may be challenged by that this morning. Your heart may have been stirred when I spoke about being active and not passive in the house of God. And you may not have yet found your fit in this place. That's absolutely fine. Don't be pressured in any way, shape, or form. This is how I would advise you. If you haven't yet found your fit in this place, in this house, in relation to being active in this local church. Just stay prayerful. Okay? Just stay prayerful. Stay expectant. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you and guide you and lead you. Opportunity will come. The grace within you will awaken and your gift will begin to operate the very gift that God has given you. It could be, like Paul said in Romans 12, it could be prophecy. It could be a number of things. It could be prophesying. It could be encouraging. It could be giving. It could be serving practically, laboring hard with your, with your life. It could be showing mercy to others. There's a, there's a multi, 
multiplicity of ways in which our lives can function in relation to the gifts of grace that God has given to each one of us. But your heart was stirred when I talked about being active and not passive. Maybe you've been passive. Maybe you've been apathetic. And there are times in all of our lives when we, when we feel like that. And even in Paul's day, they felt like that. That's why he said, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due time, you will reap a great reward if you don't grow weary. Why did he say that? Because people were growing weary whilst they were doing good. Paul encouraged them, listen, don't give up. Don't throw the towel in. But you may have gone through a period of weariness, a period of apathy that's affected, affected you being active in this body. Well, stay prayerful, stay expectant, because opportunity, opportunity will arise and it will be tailor-made in the months, weeks, and years ahead within this church. Some of you will just be like Glenn Leatherwood. You'll just come in and you'll say, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever you want me to do, and you'll give your life and the results from it and the effect and blessing to others around you will be, will be great. Stay prayerful, stay expectant, stay open. The Lord, the Lord has a work for you in relation to the gift that he's given. Or today, today you may need to appreciate how different you are. Appreciate that God has made you different. God has made you unique. Don't get hung up about the differences of your design in relation to somebody else's design. No, you are you. God's made you you. With all of your little idiosyncrasies and all of your little complexities, he's made you to be you. You have to celebrate the differences that you have and not try to be like anybody else, but just give thanks to God for the differences that he's given to you in your life. He's made you part of his body, part of his body, uniquely his, by design. And you may have to appreciate that today. Start to appreciate it. Or it may be time that you have to appreciate it in somebody else. They're not going to think the same way as you or I. They're different. Appreciate it. Give thanks to God for it. Don't let it irritate you. Don't let it frustrate you that somebody is different to you. No. You have need of them. They have need of you. Our differences, our diversity is not a means of division. It's a means of unity that strengthen and supports our lives. We're going to finish there this morning, and 
going to pick up next week just to finish this whole series off next week, and then we're going to go on to something else. But I want to pray right now for each and every one of us, and then Faye's going to come and pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Faye's going to come and lead you in a prayer to help you do that. But I'm going to pray over our congregation this morning. <clears throat> Father, I thank you today for your presence in this place. I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Thank you that you have called every one of us here. It's your design. You have given us the differences that we hold within our lives. It makes us diverse as a body. Thank you, those differences are there by design. They don't divide us, but they work towards us being unified in you. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice and maybe those who are watching online this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us in these days to make all of our priorities come under this one priority, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all things after it will be taken care of by you. But that will be our central focus and priority of priorities, to seek first your kingdom. Lord, that we would be a people that find our joy in actively serving in your church, not just being a passive observer, but Lord, wherever we are out in life, that we would find your grace within us, enabling us, empowering us to operate in the gifts that you've given to every single one of us. I pray that every single one of us would become aware what our gift is and the importance of it, just like those believers did in Romans chapter 16, and we would see it released. We would find opportunity for it through uh, you helping us, and we would see that gift released and operating to be a blessing in the church and in the world in which we live. Lord, we ask this for your glory. We thank you for the days in which we live, and we thank you that you have called us to be that great city on a hill that exudes a wonderful light out into the world that needs hope so much. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.